What does it mean to be invincible? Well, it simply means you can't be subdued, you can't be overcome, and you definitely can't be conquered. To be resilient, courageous, strategic, and skilled in everything that's thrown at you in life. I'm Sharon Pakir, and I'd like to welcome you to the Invincible Podcast, where we discover the mastery of skills for work and life, mindset grows for ultimate strength, and listen to the inspiring voices of some amazing humans who have been invincible in their own way. Are you ready to get invincible? Let's do this. Hello, everybody. It's me, Sharon, and I'm back for another episode. And today I'm going to talk about a process that I use in making friendships and connections and networking and choosing the community around myself. Now, this is a topic that's really dear to my heart because as many of you know, I recently, nine months ago, moved to the UAE from Australia via Singapore. And making new friends has been a big part of my life in the last nine months. But as someone who has owned two businesses in the last decade, who has formed networks uh, globally as well as international communities, and who has really had to liaise with a lot of different people, hundreds and thousands of people in the last 10 years, I feel like I've managed to figure out what makes for good connection and good relationship building, bring it to my new life here in the UAE, and apply them to making new connections and new friends. And I found it to really, really work. And so for those of you who are seeking out new connections, be they romantic interests, friendships, communities, maybe new work environments, new workplace friendships, this one's for you because I have found the six things to watch out for and to really help assess and gauge new friendships and connections with, and it is foolproof. Now, what this process involves is identifying, for me, toxic behaviors or behaviors that I'm not really comfortable with in any authentic relationship. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm friends with a lot of people and acquaintances with a lot of people, and I have a huge network of a lot of people. But in terms of my closer friendships and in terms of where I decide and how I decide to progress a friendship or relationship beyond being an acquaintance, these six behaviors are ones that I really, really watch out for and I try to stay aware of in any new connection that I make. And I make decisions on whether or not they become a trusted confidant, part of my inner circle, and a trusted, maybe a business friend or a colleague, a trusted business partner, based on these six things. So let's start. The first thing I always watch out for in any new relationship or connection is dishonesty and or distrust. Now, the two are interlinked, which is why I put them together. If I sense that someone is dishonest with me perpetually, every day, tells white lies with glib tongues with a straight face, with a smile on their face, if I find that someone is perpetually over-exaggerating situations or, uh, you know, sort of pushing aside the truth or veiling the truth from me, then I feel like I don't think I can become authentic friends with them. Don't get me wrong, everyone lies. We all tell white lies from time to time. But I'm someone who has told lies in their life, obviously, as we all have. And I'm someone who uses white lies sometimes to get out of situations I don't like. But I will say with my hand on my heart that I am not a person who is dishonest by nature, meaning I don't tell lies every day. I don't veil the truth. I don't hide the truth from anyone. And I find it really difficult to tell any amount of distruth to my friends and close connections. And so dishonesty for me is a big one that I watch out for. The moment someone starts being dishonest and consistently is dishonest, I tend to put them in the acquaintance basket straight away, or I tend to know I can't trust them in business, or I decide that I'm going to keep them at arm's length and always verify what they say to me. Now, alongside dishonesty comes distrust. Sometimes it's not that I identify someone's lying to me, but sometimes it's just a feeling that I can't trust them. Sometimes it's a feeling that I don't think they trust me 
And in both those scenarios, it is not up to me to prove myself to them so they can trust me. And it's because I'm an authentic and honest human being. It's not their job to convince me to trust them. I feel like when there's a culture of distrust, even if it's just a gut feeling, that I should trust that. And especially when I'm trying to make new friends, new connections, I feel like trust is a really important one. So that's the first of the toxic behaviors I tend to look out for and stay aware of, dishonesty and distrust. Obviously, for each of these behaviors I'm a, I stay aware of, I also try to look for the flip side, which is, is someone just perpetually very honest and authentic with me? Does someone make me feel very, very trusting about what they're saying? And can I back that with evidence? Because, you know, obviously the best abusers are the ones who, who lie to your face and you think they're completely trustworthy. So obviously you have to look for evidence every time someone says something. Now, I'm not saying I distrust people as a rule. What I am saying is that I do watch out for what they're saying and whether it matches their actions. And I do look out for whether they have a culture of honesty and trust with the people around them as well. Now, the second behavior I tend to be aware of when making new connections is that of control and disapproval. If anyone I meet, particularly early in a relationship or someone who's an acquaintance, seeks to assert control over me or expresses disapproval of me, for me, that's a huge red flag. And it definitely affects whether or not I ever upgrade them from acquaintance to close friend or even semi-close friend. Because firstly, we don't have time for this crap, right? We live in 2021. We have learned that humans are autonomous beings and we don't need the disapproval of anyone to live our life. We are unique human beings, diverse in our needs, wants, desires, and lives. And we should respect and honor that as much as we can. So the moment someone says something controlling to me, or the moment someone tries to assert control over my judgment, my actions, my feelings, I often take a step back and go, hmm, did that person have a right to do or say that to me? And when someone expresses disapproval of me, I find that it's a very powerful way to realize that they are saying out loud what they actually think of me, even if it's in a moment. So control and disapproval, the two things I really try to stay sensitive to. Now, I'm a person who likes to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. So when people express their disapproval of me or try to assert control over me, I often gloss it over. And this is something that heralds back from when I was younger. And somehow I learned that my voice wasn't important and that I should crave everyone's approval right? So when someone disapproves of me, instead of saying, well, I don't appreciate you disapproving of me, or just stepping away from that drama and toxicity, I tend to want to seek their approval and prove myself to them. When I figured this out in my early 30s, that I don't need to be controlled by anyone else, and I don't need the approval of anyone to live my life, it started me making very, very good and deep friendships and authentic relationships, because it made me realize that the people who care about me enough will accept me as who I am. But more importantly, when I'm making new friends and trying to evolve new connections, I found that the people who try to assert the control of you tend to bring drama as well. Because when you say no to that control, when you respectfully say, hey, that may work for you, but it doesn't work for me, they actually get upset about it. And that's the big red flag there. I've also found that when someone disapproves of you and you decide to be completely neutral and not crave their approval and not sit there and say, ooh, but how can I make you happier? It makes them very upset. So I found that it's not that the toxic behavior of control or disapproval is so bad in itself. I found that the people who display high levels of seeking to control others and disapproving of others and judging others tend to bring a bunch of drama when things don't go their way. Take that with a pinch of salt if you want to, but that's just my observation. Now, the third behavior I want to talk about that I stay aware of in making new friendships and networks is that of avoidance behaviors. 
I tend to display a bunch of avoidance behaviors when it comes to some social situations. For example, when I'm very tired, I tend to avoid social interactions. When I'm feeling unsure of something and I need to go think about it deeply, I try to avoid talking about it to my friends until I know how I feel about it. I do tend to, as you might say, display avoidance behaviors myself. But when I say avoidance behaviors being something I want to stay aware of and stay on top of in my new networks, I mean avoidance behaviors like inconsistency in their intensity or behaviors where they don't want to talk about the problems or behaviors where they only want you to talk about your problems, but they never share theirs. Avoidance behaviors for me comes about when people just decide that they cannot be consistent in their authenticity to you, their connection with you, or perhaps they don't want to be consistent because they themselves are uncomfortable with who they are. I watch out for avoidance behaviors because I found that my most authentic connections and most longest term friendships have come about with friends who can talk about the difficult stuff with me, who can be vulnerable with me, who allow me to be vulnerable, who don't shut me down when topic gets a bit weird or scary or sad or disappointing, right? We are people who can discuss notions and have diversity of opinions. And that's why I say avoidance behaviors are not usually a huge red flag, but they are something to watch out for if you're seeking really deep emotional connection with someone. They're telling you who they are early in the relationship or friendship. They're basically saying to you, if you make things a bit difficult for me, I'm going to avoid it and I'm going to shut down. And that for me is not an ideal way to start a relationship, let alone progress it into a long-term one. Now, the fourth behavior that I'm very wary of, and this is for me a huge no-no, is the trifecta of insecurity, envy, and jealousy. Don't get me wrong. I'm the first person who goes up to a friend and goes, oh my gosh, I hate you so much. You are so beautiful. You are so smart. You are so hardworking. You are so successful. I'm the first person to say it as a joke that I hate them because they're doing so well. But it's my way of saying to them, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. What I'm talking about here with the trifecta of red flags, insecurity, envy, and jealousy is when it comes from a deep, dark place that isn't about praise, that isn't about you deeply respecting the other human being. When people display their insecurity to me, note I didn't say vulnerability because vulnerability is a beautiful thing. I said insecurity. But when people display their insecurity to me in a way that is centered around my being, it tells me a lot about them. It tells me they don't have strong sense of self and self-acceptance. And whilst I want to be everyone's friend, I know from experience that someone who is terribly insecure within themselves when it comes to me, as in my being makes them feel insecure through no fault of my own, just by my existence, it's not going to end well because they feel like the power chips are already stacked against them. That's why this goes hand in hand with envy and jealousy. When I feel like someone is jealous or envious of me, just my existence or perhaps my life or my lifestyle or who I am, I find it's not going to work out in a long-term relationship. I once dated a guy who was perpetually envious and jealous of the life that I had, the job offers that I got, and it ruined our relationship because he just couldn't be happy for me ever. If someone displays any of this trifecta, insecurity, envy, and jealousy, and they are intertwined with who you are just by existing, meaning you haven't shown off to them, you haven't bragged to them. You haven't shared a win with them. You just exist and they already feel insecure, envious, or jealous. Step away because this is not going to be a relationship that's going to be feeling powerful, authentic, or connected. 
Now, the fifth toxic behavior I really look out for in any new connection is that of codependency. I have really strong boundaries against codependency. In my 20s, I was always in codependent friendships, relationships, networks, communities, and work environments. What I've learned is that that codependency was really me seeking out spaces where I didn't have to be me, autonomous, my whole self, and independent. They were me joining communities and spaces and people that also were not whole and who didn't have strong sense of self-esteem. And we were banding together in order to try to find this kind of camaraderie self-esteem. It doesn't work. Codependency doesn't work unless it's something that both of you desperately desire and want. What I found is that because I am a strong personality, I seek out codependency when I'm feeling low self-esteem. It's my trigger. I feel like I'm not doing well enough, or I feel like I'm not going where I want to be. And I fall into codependency traps with the relationships and friendships around me. Why is codependency poor? Well, it doesn't allow you to grow as a human being as much as you would without tying your sense of self-worth to someone else. It doesn't allow you space to evolve and grow through new relationships, new connections, new friendships, and new hobbies and passions. And codependency can also be really toxic because it often brings out dramatic feelings of control and disapproval and all the things we talked about before. So when I seek out new friendships, if I feel like someone has tendencies of codependency and they depend on me to bring the sunshine and me to bring the energy, or they're seeking to make sure that all their spare time is being spent with me and that there can be no other outlet for that, I tend to avoid these friendships or I step away and pull away until it gets to a level that I'm comfortable with. Now, the sixth big red flag I look out for in terms of my friendships is that of drama. Drama, drama, drama. Obviously, we've all been dramatic at some stage in our life. But what I'm saying is that no relationship, friendship, or work environment, or colleague, or business partnership should be one that is filled with drama, meaning something is happening on a weekly basis, things are quite explosive, things feel like you're being drawn into a web of deceit, lies, and cross-connection, cross-connective disputes. A really good friendship or partnership should never feel like you're being drawn into the thick of it. Obviously, with every really good connected friendship and relationship, you have to be able to talk about deep things. You have to be able to talk about most things. You have to be able to talk about the nitty gritty of life without feeling like you're gossiping. But if you consistently feel like someone is throwing you or pulling you into drama and you don't want to be part of it, and you feel like your limbs are being separated from your body because you're stretched that far between drama and truth, then this is possibly not the right relationship for you. It's a really, really good mantra I live by because, you know, it's not like people want to be dramatic. It's that people have different levels of what level of drama is acceptable. And I know what's acceptable for me because I came from the Latin dance industry where drama was rife. And I realized very quickly that that sense of drama was not for me. And I had to stay away from it in order to stay sane, but also in order to focus on my craft and be the best dancer and professional performer I could be. Drama is often the first entry point into all the other five red flag behaviors I spoke about. Because it is being drawn into the drama that you get drawn into codependency. Because drama usually starts with insecurity, envy, and jealousy. Because of drama, we might have to practice avoidant behaviors which are not very healthy for any friendship to progress into a deep relationship. Drama often stems from control and disapproval of your peers around you and the people you care about. And lastly, dishonesty and distrust is intertwined inextricably with drama. Now, we know these things and we know these red flags. I'm sure that nothing I've said today has been news to you. We know these things. But I thought it might be really useful for me to talk to you a little bit about how I've literally used this framework of six red flag behaviors to take note of 
in building new friendships here in the UAE. To be honest, I'm pretty proud of myself. In nine months, I've made some really good friendships, some really deep friendships with a couple of amazing human beings. I've met a lot of people. I've created some really good networks here for me to start our life as a family in a new country. But I've only been able to do so successfully and effortlessly by keeping this six-part framework in the front of my mind always. I am a naturally friendly person, and so I seek out human beings like a plant seeks out sunshine. It's easy for me to seek out human beings. But what I've had to do is be quite selective in realizing which of these human beings will progress from being acquaintances to being friends, and then from friends to being close friends and friends of the family and what kind of people I want my kids hanging out with, and what kind of people I want my husband and I to hang out with, to create community where there previously was none, but a community that is not drama-filled and not based on codependency. This framework has helped me so much to assess which human beings belong in my life more often and which human beings really could stay acquaintances for a long time. This framework has also taught me where to invest my time, how to invest my time in the humans I care about, and where to draw boundaries with human beings. Because when you're making new friendships and when all your friendships are new, there's a lot of flux. There's a lot of flux because you're trying to consistently understand where each person's boundaries are and to respect them and to consistently assert where your boundaries are and for other people to respect yours as well, while staying respectful, connected, and forming deeper pathways into your journey forward. I hope this six-part framework has helped you lots. I hope this helped you assess the current relationships and friendships you sit within, your work environment, your relationship with your boss or your clients. For me, this framework is always one I return to every time, for example, I sense that there is drama brewing in my head or perhaps in the situation or an environment that I'm in. It's sometimes something I use from time to time when I'm trying to decide if someone is someone I want in my life in the long term. The framework that I use to assess whether I need to step away from certain situations, environments, or people. It's the framework that I use when I try to help my kids assess what good friendship means and how they can grow into human beings that make good connections with people and identify values that they want to align themselves with. This simple framework will help you understand your tolerance for these red flag behaviors, and it will help you understand how much of it you're willing to partake in as well as put up with in your friendships, networks, romance, relationships, all the rest. So I hope that today's been interesting and useful for you. I hope this six-part framework is something you can use for the rest of your life just as it's something I'm using right now in my life and will continue to do so. And until then, I will see you next week. Take care, everyone, and goodbye. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Invincible, the podcast. I'm Sharon Pakir, and I can't wait to see you next week. I love knowing where you're from and what you're loving on this podcast. So please tag me on Instagram on theinvincible.co or theempowerers and give us a shout out and say hi. Until next week, stay invincible. And remember, we grow together.